Well, good morning. Uh, before I begin today, I just like to make note of a special guest that we have with us today. And of course, we're excited anytime someone comes to visit us. Uh, but today we have someone that's come all the way from Estonia. And so you can say hi to Lisa over here. Uh, and we're very excited because we have the opportunity, of course, uh, with our high school students, and we've had some young adults that have gone over to Estonia, and uh, Dana Ason's gone over there uh, for the past several years. And so Lisa's one of the people that we've met over there, and we're just thrilled to have her with us uh, here this morning. Well, for the past few months, I've been taking a class at Ambrose University on the book of Isaiah. And so when I learned that I was going to have this opportunity to preach to you this morning, um, I thought it would be a great opportunity for me to share a few of the things that I've learned. And I thought that it was appropriate that it came the Sunday before Christmas uh, because of all the Old Testament books and of all the Old Testament prophets, the one that is quoted the most in the New Testament and by Jesus is the book of Isaiah. And so uh, when Ed was up here a few minutes ago, he pointed out uh, for us a few of those passages, uh, many of them right in the Christmas story. And the passage I'm going to look at this morning isn't actually one of those ones that's explicitly quoted, but I think that we will see that there is a very strong connection uh, to the birth of Christ within this passage. And so that passage this morning is going to be Isaiah 65, verses 17 through 25. And in order to understand this passage, I just want to start with a very basic premise. And that premise is this. It's that the world is broken. That things are not the way they are supposed to be. And yes, there are many good things in the world, but there's also always pain and sorrow. And I don't think I need to spend a lot of time convincing you that this is the case. I'm sure if you look at your own life, if you look at the lives of the people around you, um, if you look at the world as a whole, you'll see that this is true. The world is broken. And so in Isaiah 65, God is speaking specifically to the people of Israel in their brokenness. The people of Israel had been strained in their relationship with God, and because of their sin, they were forced into exile to Babylon. After a period of many years, they were allowed to return to their native land of Israel. But even once they got back, things were not the way they were supposed to be. You see, God had promised the Israelites, while they were in exile, that he was going to restore them, that he was going to do something great with them, and that he was going to restore the city of Jerusalem. And yet, as the Israelites read these words, they had returned from exile, and they had been back for many years, and this restoration had not yet taken place. The walls of Jerusalem were still in ruins. And their enemies were oppressing them. And it seemed that it was these enemies that were prospering and not they themselves. And so it's into this brokenness that God speaks the words of Isaiah 65, 17 through 25. And in it, God speaks of a new creation. He says, I am about to create a new heavens and a new earth. The formal things shall not be remembered or come to mind but be glad and rejoice forever in what I am creating. God goes on to describe this new creation. 
He says, no more shall the sound of weeping be heard in it or the cry of distress. And then he continues by describing what his relationship with his people will be in this new creation. They shall be an offspring blessed by the Lord and their descendants as well. Before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. Now, after an initial reading of this passage, uh, one would assume that this is talking about a still distant future. After all, it talks about a new heavens and a new earth, and we only have to look around us to see that we're still on the same old earth. And it talks about a, a place where there will be no more weeping or crying. And of course, we still see weeping and crying today. Even 2,500 years after these words were written, And so we can look at this passage and we can think, well, you know what? This passage gave hope to the Israelites and it can give hope to us because even in our pain and in our sorrow, we can look forward and we can know that there's a better day coming. And I think that's true. I think that this passage does that for us. But I think if we read a little deeper, we'll see that it actually does more than that. It actually has a lot to say about the present as well. So, One of the key verses in this passage is verse 24, where it says this. It says, before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. And the idea here is that God is with his people. That God is so present with them that he's able to answer before they even call. You know, there's other biblical writers who use this same terminology of of new creation. And when they do so, they will also talk about God being with his people. And so, for example, in the book of Revelation, John uses much of this very same language that's in this passage to talk about what heaven's going to be like. And in that passage, John's talking about new creation, and he adds that the dwelling of God will be with people. And that's exactly what Isaiah is getting at right here. And so this is what the Israelites would have been looking forward to. And this is what we look forward to. We look forward to the day when God's going to live among us. And all of the other promises, the promises of no more sorrow and of no more pain, they flow out of this promise of God being with us. And you know, this is one of the things that makes the Christmas story so amazing. It's one of the things that makes the entire New Testament amazing. Because in Matthew chapter 1, the very first chapter of the New Testament, a baby is born. And then that baby is given a name. And that name says something incredible about this baby. Because that name is Emmanuel. God with us. God with us. This is exactly the promise that was made in Isaiah 65. This is the promise of new creation, that God will be with us, that God is with his people. And so we have to assume that the new creation has already begun because Jesus has already came and he's already with us. Now we have to pause here for a moment Because, of course, we'll look around and we'll say, well, what about the other promises? 
there is still pain and there is still sorrow. And so if the new creation has really begun by Jesus coming, why do we still have these bad things as well? And to help us understand that, I want to use a little bit of an analogy. And so you have to understand that I am a big Star Wars fan. Okay? Love the Star Wars movies. And of course, many of you will know that Disney recently acquired the rights to these movies and to this franchise. And they're planning to release a new series of films beginning next year right around this time, next Christmas. And a couple weeks ago, it was Black Friday. And so while everyone was out doing their shopping, trying to get that great deal, trying to get that great Christmas present, Disney released the trailer for the new Star Wars movie. And so for someone like me, this was pretty exciting. And the reason it was so exciting is because it wasn't just words, and it wasn't just concepts, and it wasn't just ideas. Okay, I'd I'd already seen lots of that. Lots of different rumors flying around, um, different people talking about what it might be like. No, this was different because this trailer contains a piece of the reality itself. And so there's actual scenes, actual footage from the movie that I get to see and that I get to experience right now. And so I can see something like this and I can know this is going to be in the movie. And that gets me pretty excited. And you know, God's new creation is similar. You see, God is working on a much grander masterpiece. And and that masterpiece is his new creation. And its full arrival is not yet here, but God has released the trailer. And this trailer isn't just words and concepts and ideas. This trailer isn't even just a promise of what's going to come. This trailer contains a part of the reality itself. And the main character in this masterpiece is Jesus. And he has come. And he is available to us. And so even though we don't yet experience the fullness of the new creation, we know that things are no longer as they were. And you know, if you've been here for any of our study on Hebrews, which we've been doing for the past several months, um, hopefully you'll you'll know that the coming of Jesus has changed a lot of things about how we we relate to God. And so, for example, we've talked about how, you know, we no longer have to sacrifice animals all the time. And we no longer have to worry about replacing the high priest every time one dies. Um, Because Jesus has taken these roles on himself. And Jesus has become God with us. And this has actually changed things. This has changed the reality. And so we should be able to see that Jesus coming to earth as a baby is significant because in doing so, he is beginning to usher in the new creation. But we also need to understand something else. 
we need to realize that we are also part of that trailer. We are also part of that new creation. The Apostle Paul spells it out pretty clearly in 2 Corinthians 5.17. He says this. He says, if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. And so not only did Jesus come to be the new creation, but in doing so, he has called his followers to be part of that new creation as well. He's called us to be part of this trailer, part of this reality of the new creation now. And so we have hope. We have hope for new creation. In the midst of trial here on earth, we know that a better future awaits. And we know that this promise is true because we already get to experience a piece of it because of Jesus and because of Christmas. Because God loved us so much that he wrapped himself in flesh and became a baby. And this gives us hope, but it also gives us an example to follow. And so we are to live as new creations in our world today. And we're to share the love that Jesus gave us with the world around us. But how do we do that? Well, I'd suggest we could start by looking at our mission statement over here. To reach the world for the Lord Jesus Christ, one person at a time. You see, we hope and believe that the message uh, we hope and believe the message of Jesus coming to earth. And the acts of love that can result from it can change the world. But the beauty is that God also cares for us as individuals. And that we have the power to make a difference by reaching one person at a time. And I think we can begin to imagine how much of a difference it could make if we all started by loving just one person. And then another, and then another. And then one person at a time we reach the world. If you were here in first service, you would have heard a song performed. Uh, And the song told the story of three people with very broken lives. And they called out to God and they asked the question, who will love me for me? And you know, the hope of Christmas is that God does love us for us. And he loved us enough to come to earth as a tiny, fragile baby. To become one of us. To be God with us. And then he asks us to go and to do the same. To look for those around us who are hurting and to love them. Not because of who they are. Not because of the things that they've done. We're to simply love them for them. And so if we are to be the new creations by loving the world one person at a time, let me close with a question. Who do you know that is hurting? Who do you know that needs hope? Who do you know that needs love this Christmas? And then what are you going to do about it? How are you going to love them? You know, I think a great example of this was was this past week, 
how we were able to bless, in the end, seven different families um, with Christmas gifts, with food, um, and we were able to bless them uh, at this Christmas time and to show them a lot of love. And that was a great example. That was a great encouragement. That was a great start. And so let's keep it going. Let's go out and let's love someone this week. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for Christmas. We thank you that you loved us enough that you would send your son, that he would become flesh and that he would be God with us. And God, we thank you that through that you are ushering in your new creation. And God, we thank you that you invite us into that. And so God, I pray that you would help us to take that seriously. That we would go and that we would love people. That we would follow your example. That we would show that newness now. And we pray that we would do that not by our own strength, but by your strength, God. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.